BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com the large nerdron collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. hey everybody welcome to the large nerdron collider podcast the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is Jonathan. He's going to be pretty upset at me for moving my pop filter right now, Strickland. I am not the co-host you are looking for. You should go about your business. You are not? Move along. No, I oh. hey, Ariel. Okay, that was a short episode, guys. I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, just, <laughs> just, just fooling. Hey, Ariel, I got a question yes? for you. Okay, Ariel. So as always, <laughs> it's more of a scenario than a question, but we're going to be talking about some uh, stir wars today, some uh, stir wars, some wars in the stars, as it were. And so my my question to you is that so imagine you are a a character, not a specific character, but like you inhabit the mythology of Star Wars. Would you be a Jedi, a smuggler, bounty hunter, something else? What what? kind of role do you envision yourself playing within Star Wars? So, having played the Old Republic a whole bunch, um, I think I would probably be a smuggler. They are the funnest. They, um, you know, they're the 
dashing rogues of Star Wars. <laughs> so that is what I would be. Bounty hunters, uh, they're either a little too evil for me or they're a little too, like, if you look at Mando, he's he's a bit too upstanding. Um, and eh, Jedis can be cool, but that whole, like, living by a code thing, meh. What about you? <laughs> um, so I have a joke answer, which is that I, I'd want to okay. be—I'd want to be one of the uh, the the band members at the Moss Eisley Cantina. Um, I mean, you didn't that, list that as an option, Jonathan. I said, or something else that includes. It's just like with every job description <laughs> where it says other duties as assigned, right? It it covers <laughs> everything. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought about that uh, or maybe gambler like Lando Calrissian is more of a gambler than a smuggler, which I mm-hmm. think is kind of a, a fun and I, I could be at least as good or bad of a gambler as Lando Calrissian seems to be. <laughs> um, you know, those are those are the kind of things that I was thinking of, because like I agree with you, like Jedi was something I thought was super cool. But the further we get into the mythology, the more restrictive and sort of uh, twisted the Jedi seem to be like Mm -hmm. part of that is just because you have different people bringing their interpretations into star Wars. Right. But yeah, we've had a lot of stories that explore the restrictive nature of the Jedi code and how that in many ways is not a good thing and that it doesn't Mm -hmm. benefit people very much. And so you then get like these crazy extremes. You got this very repressed, restrictive Jedi order. And then you have the, uninhibited and self-destructive Sith. And there doesn't seem to be any middle ground. Um, I know that some of the games have explored that, but like in the canon of what is officially star Wars, there's not a whole lot that deals with that. So for that case, I'm going uh, gambler, I think, because I think it's, it's sort of along the same lines as smuggler. It's that sort of rakish roguish kind of character that I find really appealing. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of uh, characters that are kind of more roguish, let's talk about our first news item. Yeah, so the thing we wanted to chat about is an upcoming animated series that's going to play on uh, Adult Swim, and it is Blade Runner. It's a it's a new Blade Runner um, uh, anime series, Blade Runner Black Lotus. And we learned a little bit about some of the voice actors who are going to be portraying characters in this. We don't know a whole lot about the specifics of the plot, but we know that the series is going to follow a character named L, who is uh, a replicant. So that that mystery is cleared up right away. We know she's yeah, (laughs) we know she's not going to have to take the test and figure out whether or not she'd help a turtle that was on its back. Um so L is playing is is a replicant who is uh, created for a secret and unknown purpose. Played by Jessica Henwick, uh, we know that mm-hmm. uh, some interesting actors like Brian Cox is going to be voicing a character. He's, I mean, when you hear Brian Cox, you're like, oh, clearly he's going to be one of those big businessy, you know, vaguely antagonistic characters. Sure enough, that's who he's playing—a Neander yeah. Wallace Senior. <laughs> So Blade Runner, like if you're not familiar with Blade Runner, the world of Blade Runner, it's set in sort of a um, it's an alternate future because the original Blade Runner was set, I think, in 1999. Like it was 
it, something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely in our past now, but it was this very super corporate uh, uh, dystopian world. Not that different from what we have now, except we don't have flying cars and we don't have replicants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you've got these these replicants that are kind of like um, a mix between androids and a genetic creation that uh, they purposefully live very short lifespans and they're meant to do like manual dangerous labor, essentially the stuff that we make robots to do. But they ha- are, have thoughts and feelings and often have implanted histories in their heads uh, in the Blade Runner series so that they don't realize they're replicants. So that might, it kind of sounds a little bit like Westworld if you've watched Westworld. It's a similar kind of a theory, Mm. although in Westworld, the replicants for the hosts are more, thought to be more contained. Um, But uh, Stephen Root is in it and he's playing the chief of police. And I know that he plays a bunch of serious characters, but I always picture him from office space. And if he played the chief of police, like, <laughs> like, uh, like Milton, the his, little mumbling character, like Milton, that, I mean, it would not fit at all. I'm sure in the story, but it would be hilarious and I'd be all there for it. Have you, have you seen uh Buster Scruggs, the ballad of Buster Scruggs? Uh, not yet. Okay. Like I watched like five minutes of it, but I need to sit and, and finish he's, it. He's in, he's in one of the vignettes in that. And it's another one of those, I mean, it's a Coen brothers film, right? So it's, it, mm-hmm. it, and he's been in some Coen brothers stuff. It's, it's another, um, very quirky character. And like, and he plays in that one. He's a, he's a, a, a bank teller essentially in the old West, but he does some gunslinging a little bit in that. And so I immediately went to that character, which again Ah. would have not fit into the Blade Runner universe at all, but would be really entertaining. It would be really entertaining. That being said, he's a very versatile actor. Yes. I think that's why some of his more quirky characters stick out to me is just because he is so versatile. He's phenomenal in Barry. He's absolutely amazing in that series. Well, Barry is such a fun show. It, anyhow. It's great. It's it, one of the best. Like I didn't yeah. know I was going to enjoy it so much until I started watching it. And I thought, wow, this is a, uh, this is a very dark, but very funny show. Uh, and it hits a little close to home at times for me as an actor. So yeah, there's some actor <laughs> stuff in it. That does. It rings very true. <laughs> But yes, this series looks yes. like it's going to be really interesting. Uh, there's actually all the all the parts are are most of the parts anyway are double cast because they have a Japanese uh, cast as well. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one of the characters might be played by uh, by a single actor who might be fluent in both. But most of them are are obviously uh, played by two different actors who are providing either the English or the Japanese language versions of that. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. We don't have details on when it's coming out. It just says that it, it's going to be airing on Adult Swim, Swim and also Crunchyroll later this year. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's not often that Adult Swim has something that really grabs me, but I think I will definitely take some time to check this one out. Something else that I'm going to take time to check out once we finally get it, uh, regardless of what the details are on it is the new series that Jermaine Clement and Taiko Waititi are working on, uh, which we have little to no details about other than it's going to be kind of action-adventure-y comedy. And I'm just, I love what they do. I love what we do in the shadows. Mm -hmm. And I guess we haven't 
gotten Wellington Paranormal yet. No, I wanted no. to watch that one as well. Yeah, so so of course, what we do in the shadows, in case you're not familiar, is uh, it's done the documentary style, but follows the misadventures of uh, vampires and sort of the the, <laughs> the trials and tribulations they go through uh, having a vampiric existence, and it's very silly. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, the movie is fantastic and the series really, really expands upon it in a very fun way. So highly recommend those. Uh, but yeah, and of course, Taika Waititi, he's made a huge name for himself directing films in the MCU. You know, he did, he did Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. He's doing uh, Love and Thunder, the next Thor movie. Yeah. And plus uh, Jojo Rabbit, which was a phenomenal movie. Jojo Rabbit. Yes. And a difficult movie to sell to people <laughs> when you tell them yes. the premise, but yes, it is, yes. It is an amazing movie. And, uh, Jermaine Clement, of course, obviously a, a brilliant comedian and, and a musician as well. Part of flight of the Concords has done mm-hmm. a, an, a huge amount of work that, uh, a lot of it I think is underseen. There's a lot of stuff he's done yeah. that I don't think American audiences have really seen. Well, he was in Legion. And he was he was a serious character in that mm. a, a bizarre but serious character because I raised bizarre in Legion but just brilliant I had only seen his comedy up to that point but yeah he's very multi talented yeah it makes me sick but we're going to we're going <laughs> to get some sort of action adventure comedy but as we say there's not really any more detail about that to me when I hear action adventure comedy my thoughts go back to some earlier shows. Like I was telling Ariel before the recording, it reminds me I would describe Wizards and Warriors as it was more of like a fantasy action comedy series. But it was the sort of thing that kind of later evolved into stuff like Hercules and Xena and the adventures of Briscoe County Jr. And like these shows that did seem to try and pair comedy with action Uh, It's to different degrees, right? Some of those series were less comedic than others, but they all had elements of comedy, sometimes like zany, like corny comedy. And and some of them were not intending to be quite as comedic as they were. I mean, look at Carl Urban playing Cupid and Xena. Like, yeah, they probably probably didn't mean for it to be quite as humorous as it was. Yeah, especially now. But it's interesting because I feel like this is a niche that really hasn't been filled. Like they're. There are series out there. First of all, I don't think there's that many action adventure series out there. Everything's like procedurals and stuff, right? You don't get a lot of action adventure stuff anymore, mm-hmm. at least not on TV. Uh, so that that I'm really excited to see. Like, I, I want to kind of find out what their vision is for that sort of thing. I'm sure it's going to be hilarious, whatever it is. So uh, I, I am I am eagerly anticipating that, even though we have awesome. next to no information about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Equally hilarious, the new Aliens television show. Oh, yeah. Alien yeah. television yeah. show. Yeah, Alien, it's, it's uh, <laughs> so it follows uh, Alien, a, a xenomorph who's in New York City as a stand-up comedian. He has a wacky neighbor <laughs> named Kramer, and uh, there's Elaine, and no. No, this is, this is a series that Noah Hawley has been working on for uh, yeah. uh, FX, and it's going to take place on Earth. So a very different approach to what we see in the alien films, which are almost always taking place in like a spaceship or a deserted lunar, lunar colony, that kind of thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, Fargo and Legion are both a little bit surreal. Um, and if they can lean a bit more on that surrealness in this television show, as opposed to the last alien movie, I think I've talked about this plenty of times before on this podcast, just the, the further into the alien franchise we get, the more gruesome it gets to the point where I couldn't even watch the most recent movie. Um, but hopefully this TV show will pull back a little bit on the gruesome, uh, because they're really focusing on, it seems like Wayland Yutani, who is the evil corporation that's trying to weaponize the xenomorphs. Yes. It, the, um, this is the company that, first of all, was in charge of sending the Nostromo out in the first place. And then in, in aliens, it really turns into like the evil company, right? Because it becomes clear that that's when they are really actively trying to go after the alien without actually uh, revealing to the rest of the human population that there are these xenomorphs like the idea being like mm -hmm. there's this incredibly dangerous thing we want it but we don't want anyone to know that we know about it so we're just gonna send people out there and hope for the best and then when they die we'll send more of them <laughs> yeah yeah um so i don't think i'm looking forward to this as much as i am to the next uh taiko and td jermaine clement show yeah what I thought was interesting is that we, you know, we talked about Blade Runner and then we're talking about Alien. Obviously, both of those both of those uh, those those franchises or whatever have as part of the story, the giant corporations that are uh, amoral, right? They're not they're not necessarily evil, <laughs> but they're amoral. So they don't have any consideration for ethics or morality. And I mean, it's a pretty common theme in a lot of science fiction, yeah. but uh, I just feel like, wow, it's interesting that these, this keeps coming up. It's also in the same climate, obviously, as one where more and more people are questioning um, the why we have billionaires and why we allow them, <laughs> allow them to continue to accumulate enormous amounts of wealth. It kind of it, it, I think it, it shows the certain types of, of concerns that rise to the top, right? That's when we start to see it reflected yeah. in science fiction. And it just feels like that's part of the, we're coming back into that kind of cycle. Yeah. Yeah. And I look forward to that. Cause that'll be a nice, um, balance with just straight up monster show, mm -hmm. monster, scary monster show. Um, I like alien. I like aliens. I will definitely give this a shot. <laughs> um, we'll see how far I get into it. Yeah, and then for our last couple of stories, we're going to turn over to the Star Wars, as we were talking about before. Star Wars. Uh, uh, we got to see a a kind of teaser for the Star Wars anime series that's coming out, where this was a pretty phenomenal thing, where Disney essentially has partnered with all these different uh, anime studios. And from what I understand gave these studios like carte blanche to do whatever they want with the star Wars, you know, uh, mythology and to, and to kind of realize it in their own styles. So we're getting like true anime renditions of star Wars iconography and ideas. And it's not going to be Canon. It's not like it's going to be incorporated into the star Wars Canon, but at the same time, it sounds to me like there were very few restrictions placed, which is phenomenal when you're talking about something with IP as famous as star Wars. Yeah. I think it's such a smart decision too, because 
like everybody knows about, you know, the the main Star Wars movies, the main six to nine, mm-hmm. three to nine. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> depending on, on depending on how grouchy you are, depending on how grouchy you are, Jonathan. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes uh, I just go with two and a half. But okay, two and a half, fine. I'll like, <laughs> I'll accept that. But there's such a like a, a rich world in the comics and the book series around Star Wars that I think it's really smart to explore some of that, give some of those characters and ideas and civilizations and, and such uh, some more thought and some some more uh, spotlighting. Because even though this isn't necessarily going to be canon, let's say Tatooine Rhapsody really takes off and everybody loves it. There's nothing saying they can't expand on that as one of their future stories. Mm-hmm. Now that we're done with the Skywalkers, hopefully. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and, and also it's interesting because it's, again, I'm talking a lot about cycles in this episode, but this comes full circle in that star Wars is a series that was in part inspired by the work of Kurosawa, for example, and so now we're seeing this this science fiction fantasy series that has as part of its genetic heritage this uh cinematic history from Japan and now we're seeing mm. a modern uh Japanese take on the Star Wars mythology so it, it it's not like it's out of place like it it feels like it's coming home in a way Yeah. Yeah. I will say the interesting thing to me, like the most interesting thing is when they initially announced visions, I was expecting something like memories or the animatrix that had super diverse art styles, which is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. That's just what I was picturing. It looks like a lot of these are a lot more um, mainstream anime styles. It doesn't make me any less excited for it. A couple of them do look a little more stylized or a little more cartoony than others. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But like I said, that's not like a negative or a, a positive. It's just it's something interesting that they announced this thing and my brain immediately went to this like super art house style of anthology. And instead, it's it's, um, you know, a little bit more mainstream, which I think is good to bring people into it who maybe wouldn't normally watch anime or a Star Wars cartoon. One of the other properties that's already out there. Yeah. So this will be coming to Disney Plus later and uh, I look forward to seeing it. And then our last story is what if what if you were, you know, a famous director and you really wanted to make a Star Wars movie and they told you no. So you decided to go and make a not Star Wars movie that's kind of a Star Wars movie, but it's not a Star Wars movie. Um, (laughs) And also was, again, uh, kind of inspired by Kurosawa. Well, then that would mean you are Zack Snyder. Yes. So apparently years ago, he made a mature, he wrote a mature Star Wars movie and Lucasfilm said, no, thank you. Um, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing. And now he's making a movie inspired by Star Wars and Akira Kurosawa uh, for Netflix, which, you know, Netflix is really good at banking on popular properties. So mm-hmm. not you know it's not a bad thing some people really like that and they've come out with some very good stuff because of that but uh yeah so uh, he's going to be making a movie for them that is called rebel moon yes uh can i can Um, i read that little quick description that was in the av club article you certainly can this is is a short one and by the way that av we'll, we'll have a link to the article in our show notes but that AV Club article... It's a little bit salty. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. But here's the little <laughs> description. 
because it made me immediately think of a different movie besides Star Wars, which is the story is set in motion when a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical region named Balisarius. Totally not Palpatine. Desperate people dispatch a young woman <laughs> with a mysterious past to seek out warriors from neighboring planets to help them make a stand. Ariel, does this remind you of any other like really super cheesy 1980s era science fiction film that we actually covered in a video episode of Large Nerd Tread Collider years ago? You mean Battle Beyond the Stars? Exactly. It is Battle Beyond. This is Battle Beyond the Stars. If this if this Rebel Moon movie, which I get is supposed to be like a grim, mature take on on the sort of stuff you would have seen in Star Wars, but it's totally not Star Wars. Don't think it's Star Wars, y'all. It's not Star Wars. But if there are not, if there are not like twins that are eating hot dogs and like and like a, and a space cowboy and uh, a Valkyrie wearing almost no costume whatsoever, I am going to be really disappointed in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I am interested to see what blaster bolts and lightsabers look like in grayscale. Uh, but for Ooh, shots fired at Zack Snyder's palette choice. It's okay. <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I'm like a stormtrooper. I always miss. So it's fine. Uh, but uh, it's being written. Uh, he's co-writing it with Shay Hatton, who did Army of the Dead, and Kurt Johnson, who did 300. Um, which were some of the things that I liked better from him. Okay. Fair enough. Zack Snyder is all about the visuals, and I feel like space and sci-fi is a great place to put in pretty visuals. So maybe it'll be awesome. I'm sure it's going to look great. I also feel like there will be absolutely no humanity in it. But I I feel like that because Zack Snyder has time and time again created. Like I, I have I have often mentioned that I feel like Zack Snyder movies feel more like a kid playing with action figures and smashing them together than it does actual characters with like feelings and stuff. He's Zack Snyder doesn't typically do feelings. He does like iconic characters that again, uh, smash each other as hard as they possibly can for as long as they possibly can. I mean, he, he, he does some feelings, but they're usually very everybody's, uh, faulty. Yeah. Well, Um, like, like, uh, you know, I could just say two words and just set you off. I could just say sucker punch and we could just see you go, but <laughs> there were feelings in that mine just didn't match up with the movies. <laughs> well, I don't want to pan Zack Snyder too hard. There, like there are some things I think are very cool about his directing and art style. I just, I, I, I definitely like really I, needs an editor. I feel like, like Zack Snyder falls into a category, not that their styles are similar, but he falls into a category that reminds me of people like Michael Bay. And these are directors who can create really uh, captivating visuals and really interesting action sequences. But I feel like everything around it doesn't doesn't work for me or just doesn't hold very much humanity or like there's nothing for me to connect to emotionally. So there's at least it's a side of humanity that's not as pleasant to connect to. Yeah, that's that's probably a good way of putting it. So anyway, while I'm slagging off on Zack Snyder, I'm not nearly doing it to the level that the AV club did. And uh, and and to be fair, like maybe this will come out and I will completely eat my words and I'll say like, wow, this was just a truly phenomenal 
piece of science fiction. So I, I, I don't want to pass judgment on something before it comes out. That's totally not fair. And, you know, you can't judge everything based upon the stuff that came before it. You could always be surprised. Yeah. Well, uh, how about we uh, look at some stuff that has come out in the past that we both really do like right after this break? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination. So pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. We're going to start off this discussion with, you know, a little bit of sad news first, which is that uh, over the last week since our last episode, famed movie director Richard Donner passed away. Uh, he had lived a, a very full and long life. He was 91 when he passed away. 
he had not directed a film since 2006. So it had been a while since he had actually directed a movie, but he, he was involved in a lot of, of works uh, and films and stuff um, over the years and also series, some of which he would be removed from, <laughs> but yes, yeah, we wanted to chat a bit about some of his work and, and the impact that it's had on us. Well, well, first I want to say that uh, one of his works is Lethal Weapon. And the only reason I'm saying that is because you said he hadn't directed anything in years. He had plans to come back to the Lethal Weapon franchise last year and then pandemic. Um, so he was actually going to jump back in recently. Mm-hmm. I'm sad he didn't. I really like the Lethal Weapon franchise. But when when you look at some of the movies that that he directed. It's interesting because they have, they span a lot of different genres, right? So like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite films came out in 1978, the Superman movie with, you know, Christopher Reeve in it. And, and Richard Donner directed that. He also directed, or he started to direct Superman two. And then there was a whole studio issue that he got removed from that film. But he did Superman and Superman is such an earnest and corny movie. Like if you go and watch that original Superman film, well, I say original that 1978 Superman film, it is cornball. It is mm-hmm. uh, incredibly sincere, but to me, that's what makes it work. Like Superman is a difficult character to make interesting because he, he he's kind of flawless. It's sort of like uh, Captain mm-hmm. America. It's a character who's, who doesn't really yeah. have any flaws, so it makes it hard to make an interesting film about them. But um, when you go with that sort of corny and earnest approach, it just becomes very charming. And you know, I mean, Reeves was amazing as the as as Superman. You had Gene Hackman mm-hmm. as Lex Luthor. You know, it was an engaging movie. And of course, you had the John Williams score, which really brought it all together. Yeah, that to me is one of those iconic films that that inspired within me a love of genre uh, storytelling and films. I mean, it is it's one of the first superhero movies I remember ever watching. And and you're right. It was very earnest and sincere, and it, it balanced the humor with the super with the romance so very well that as a child, I loved it. And then going back and watching it as an adult, even though it is a little cornball, as you said, and even though some of the effects don't necessarily stand up, I, it just, it holds up for me. It has one of the, because the, it is so touching. It has one of the best visual gags of a Superman movie ever where Clark Kent needs to change into Superman. And the famous image is Clark Kent jumping into a phone booth and changing from Clark Kent to Superman and then coming out of the phone booth as Superman. But he comes by a, not a phone booth, but like, so back in the day, we used to have these public telephones that were on like stands that were in like a had little dividers up, but it wasn't a full booth. Right. And he just stops and gives it a quick like double take as he looks it up and down and realizes like, no, that's not going to work. And then he moves on to find a place where he can change. <laughs> it's just such a it's it, it. I mean, obviously, I'm describing a visual gag, which is the dumbest thing mm-hmm. you can do. It's like reading out a comic strip, but it's one of those moments that just works. Uh, he also directed one of the few fantasy films from the 1980s that I thought really worked, which is Lady Hawk. Are you talking about? Oh, OK. I was thinking you're going to talk about like 
Goonies or Scrooge. Well, like Lady Hawk was a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't think of Goonies or Scrooge as a fan as I, either of those as fantasy movies. Lady Hawk was definitely a fantasy film. Matthew Broderick, Rutger Hauer, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, really a, an interesting fantasy movie that I saw in the theater when I was a kid. Like I, I went to that movie when it opened up and uh, I think it still holds up. It's still, it's a really interesting fantasy love story. And um, even though Matthew Broderick hasn't, has one of those accents that kind of sort of hovers around English and then goes away, (laughs) even because even though there's that, it's still, it's really an engaging movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, plus you have a love for anything like medieval renaissance story wise. Yes. So. And Rucker Hauer, man, he's just amazing. Yeah. And, you know, here was Rucker Hauer playing a, a heroic character. He's he's a heroic character with an edge because he's he's damaged. He's an emotionally damaged character. But he, this was sort of like if you look at him in Blade Runner, where he's a damaged character who's an antagonist. Here he was a damaged character who's a protagonist. It's almost like two sides of the same coin. And mm-hmm. and it's a great performance. Do you do you want me to make you really sad, Jonathan? Sure. Okay. So Rutger Hauer, even though I've seen Blade Runner and I think I saw it before what I'm about to mention, the first thing I remember knowing him from and recognizing him and going, oh, who is that? Oh, his name is Rutger Hauer was Tenth Kingdom. The the no. 2000s really long miniseries with by John Larroquette. Uh, yeah, and and uh, Ed O'Neill is that his name? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Al Bundy. He, he where he played the uh, the the troll, I think. Yeah, he yeah. played the 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 lead troll daddy, which just sounds wrong to say, Ariel. Why did you say it that way? <laughs> I mean, uh, that's gonna be actually, we're gonna clip that. That's gonna be <laughs> troll daddy. <laughs> Troll daddy. Uh, so like, which I actually really enjoyed that miniseries, but that's, that's the first thing I remember recognizing Rutger Hauer. In. Yeah. So, well, yeah. You know, Lady Hawk is one of those, sh- those films that uh, if you have never seen it, uh, you should check it out. It is now granted it's from the eighties. The effects are very dated. The music is bizarre. Like it's very new agey mm-hmm. with lots of synthesizers. Um, the, uh, like it, 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 it definitely is a a product of its time, but Mm -hmm. it again was one of those fantasy films from the eighties that I thought actually worked. There were only a handful of fantasy movies that came across as anything more than just like super cheap sets. And like, like most of the eighties fantasy films were like B movies. This was not. Uh, he also yeah. did the Goonies, like you pointed out, a movie that's very mm-hmm. divisive now. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's, it's you either watched it as a kid and loved it, or you can't, you don't now. Um, <laughs> did Did you hear about what? Did you hear about what he and his wife did for the uh, the actor who played Chunk? I didn't know. So, um, so Chunk was the the chubby kid, right? In, mm-hmm. in the Goonies, who was made to do the truffle shuffle and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, when, when he was getting older, like he wasn't able to get more roles really after a a little Mm -hmm. while. And, and so he was deciding he was going to go and go to college and he asked, uh, Richard Donner if Richard would be willing to write a letter of recommendation when he was applying to school. 
And uh, Donner said, yeah, kid, let's have a meeting and we'll talk about what you want me to say. And they had a meeting and the, the actor told Donner all about his background and the struggles he had and all this kind of stuff. Donner and his wife paid for his tuition for wow. him to go to college. He ended up becoming an entertainment lawyer. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really sweet story. It is. And, you know, like, I know that there are some problematic things in, in Goonies. It like, you know, Chunk kind of being p- pigeonholed. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's no. Oh, yeah. There's Lawrence Cohen. There's his there's, name is not Chunk. <laughs> there's tons of um, there's tons of problematic stuff in Goonies. Like you have a, a, a the data character is mm-hmm. uh, that's an issue, right? Like there's a again, it was a product of its time uh, not to excuse yeah. it, but rather to say like to give it contextualize it to say like this was a, an era where that level of care and thought and empathy just did not exist in Hollywood. And that, yeah. that was a bad thing. So that's yeah. something to keep in uh, mind. You know, but he went from Superman and Goonies to lethal weapon, as I mentioned earlier and Scrooge, but he also did some, some horror, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't aware that he worked on tales from the crypt, which gave me nightmares as a child. And I have never seen the omen. So yeah, the omen, yeah, that's one of those, um, you know, creepy kid movies. Uh, mm. definitely, <laughs> definitely one of those that is worth checking out. Uh, he was going to be a producer on, uh, a sequel to the Goonies, which I, I have no idea if that is even still a thing that's going to happen. Um, he also, you know, has worked in some regard with lots of other elements that people would recognize. Um, and like, it's, it's, a it's, it's, he lived to be 91. So it's not that mm-hmm. his, his departure was, a shock or anything along those lines, but more that it really allowed us a chance to reflect on his body of work and kind of yeah. appreciate sort of the, the, the things that he did. Yeah. Because he was so varied in the stories that he put out and the styles that he put out. Um, and, and just, he made stories that regardless of whether they're for their era or their time, they last like, People still know about the Goonies. People still know about Lethal Weapon. Mm-hmm. People still know about Scrooge and Superman. So, you know, there are certain movies that just get made and they're they're impressive for a while and then people forget about them. But his his works have endured and that's really impressive. It It is. And, uh, you know, are, we salute you, Richard Donner. You know, Godspeed, fair winds mm-hmm. and following seas and all that. And thank you for the work you did, because uh, there's some really yeah. cool stuff. I mean. If nothing else, if nothing else, we got Cindy Lauper's The Goonies Are Good Enough music video, which is truly brilliant. I mean, you know, you bring in bring in professional wrestlers to <laughs> pretend like they're actors and chase Cindy Lauper around. You're guaranteed to have a masterpiece. I feel like you're biased there. Um, I might be. I also I also genuinely love that song. <laughs> I mean, it is a fun song, but if you put like I could put. I could put professional wrestlers into sucker punch. You'd probably like it. So, um, okay. Let, let's, let's not throw, let's not throw, throw, throw hands here. Okay. We're going to, we're <laughs> going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to mash up two things that never, ever, ever should be mashed up together and find out what happens. 
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals to Hyatt, Zalara, Riviera Maya in Mexico and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. So things that should never, ever be mashed up together, but we do. That has been our theme for the past few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair, like mashups are a lot more fun if you take two things that are very much unrelated and try to make them work as opposed to, oh, let's take these two things that are similar and make them, you know, mash them up together. Well, I mean, if they're similar, then you just end up with Zack Snyder's version of a not a Star Wars movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So this time we're taking a couple of our our news stories. We're actually staying true to our news stories and we are 
mashing up aliens, mm-hmm. something from the alien universe. Yes, and something from the Star with, Wars universe. Yes, the best thing from the Star Wars universe, oh, which no. is Ewoks. And now that I'm thinking about it, I would have been an Ewok. <laughs> I would have been Wicket Yub Nub. Um, <laughs> so now I, I specifically had mentioned to Ariel when we were figuring out what we we're going to mash up. I, I said the Ewok movie. So for those of you out there who but there are two of them, <laughs> there are two of them. The second one is it starts in a way that completely invalidates the entirety of the first one. Mm-hmm. So for those who, who are blissfully unaware that there were two Ewok movies in the mid eighties after return of the Jedi came out. And obviously the Ewoks were a boon for toy sales. Like that was, I mean, by that time, star Wars had become a true merchandise machine. It wasn't that way with the first movie, at least not originally, but once that, once that started rolling, man, did Lucas ride that. Right. So yeah. Ewoks were a big hit, so they decided to make a couple of what were made for TV movies here in the United States. They did get apparently a limited theatrical release in other parts of the world. And um, mm-hmm. the first one involved a family that gets, I think, stranded on indoor and they end up encountering the Ewoks and they are uh, trying to to survive various uh, uh, dangers in that. The second one starts off with everyone in that family, with the exception of the little girl getting slaughtered. So the family that you were following and rooting for in the first movie gets almost completely wiped out in the second one, the beginning of the second one. Um, But anyway, it was really more of an excuse to have more Ewoks so that you could have more toys. Yeah. I mean, the girl, the girl did stick. Sindel was in both of them. Um, and we already kind of talked about aliens. You know, there's there's these like primordial parasitic monsters, aliens doing what they do. And there's an evil corporation that tries to weaponize them. And then they run amok because they're really powerful and have survived since the dawn of time mm-hmm. and spaceships. And it's really scary. The first movie is a horror. The second movie is kind of a sci-fi adventure, but also scary. And then... It goes downhill from there. Yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> like the, the first two films are are masterpieces and they are so different, right? The first one is this mm-hmm. very atmospheric, oppressive, scary horror movie by Ridley Scott. The second one still has some scary elements, but is more of an action movie like and it's that one's by James Cameron. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that they can be so different and yet they feel like they belong in the same universe. It's just different stories and different settings. Yeah. And something we forgot to mention earlier, but AI also plays kind of a possibly villainous role in the stories as well. But it's so overshadowed for me by the actual aliens and that creepy grotesqueness. Because the androids, the androids in the alien series, they're made by the corporation that's sending people Mm -hmm. out. So you, whenever there's an Android, you immediately question that Android's motivations, right? You immediately assume this Android is specifically there to fulfill the, the, the mission for the corporation, whether that ends up slaughtering everybody else or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that being said, let's take these furry little creatures and match them up with some evil slimy aliens. Sounds good. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go first. Okay. 
Uh, so this is called Ewoks and the Battle for Nostromo. Okay. So after Sindel's ship crashes on Endor, she and her brother befriend a bunch of Ewoks in an attempt to find their parents who are missing after the crash. The kids are told that their parents were captured by that Feech Lurdo the Gorax. They make a plan to travel to the Gorax's lair to free them. Feech Lurdo, by the way, is Ewokies, uh, but uh, that doesn't, it just means that darn bad guy kind of essentially. <laughs> Anyhow, they make a plan to travel to the Gorax's lair to free them, but when they get to the lair, they find something much worse than the Gorax. They find a hundred egg-like slimy objects and the Gorax lying in the corner with his chest burst open. Then they see a scorch trail that looks like a small ship had taken off from the Gorax's lair. The children and the Ewoks decide to quickly leave the lair and come up with another plan, but just as they do, they are caught by a sorceress named Cheryl. She is trying to leave the planet as well, in fear after something horrible happened at her marauder's castle to her companion, and she figured the children and Ewoks would be a good bargaining tool onto any ship she found out in space. So she throws them all into a spaceship and flies off, uh, and in space they find... A spaceship, of course, the Nostromo. It seems to be abandoned, so maybe she didn't need her prisoners after all, and she completely forgets about them when she lands in the hangar bay, and there is a shadow and a chitter that she goes off to find what it is. That leaves the kids and their Ewok friends alone in the landing bay. They see an escape pod that they assumed would leave similar scorch marks to the one they saw on Endor, the moon that they were on where the Ewoks live, and they decide... Sindel and her brother's parents might be there and they go searching for them. All along the way, they hear chittering screams and see remains of what looks like it might have once been sentient creatures. Also a lot more slimy eggs, lots of them. And then there is a different scream. They go cautiously to see what it is and find Cheryl ripped apart from the stomach like something burst through, just like the Gorax. The Ewoks grab whatever improvised weapons they can, pipes for spears, knives, shrapnel, and even a Wayland yutani flamethrower, and continue their search. As they round a corner, Sindel and her brother see their parents asleep in a couple of cryo chambers, or what we would assume would be cryo chambers, they don't really know. As the kids struggle to free their parents, they hear a chittering screech behind them, and that's when they see it, the queen of the xenomorphs. She opens her huge maw, and then her smaller maw at the Ewoks, and they all yell, kill the monster and Ewokies, and before the xenomorph can cause her carnage, the Ewoks dispatch her, because Ewoks are really vicious, you all. Feeling momentarily safe, the kids figure out how to get their parents out of stasis. The parents tell the kids they were taken by the queen xenomorph to the ship they thought they were done for with how quickly she dispatched the Gorax, but then she stuck them in stasis. Thankfully, the kids, the Ewoks, and the parents all find their way back to the escape pod without further harrowing adventures and they head back to Endor. As they land, the parents look a bit odd. Sindel asks what's wrong and they say, oh, nothing, just some indigestion. As they all leave the ship with one Ewok, who we all know is Wicket, shooting his newfound flamethrower the air and screaming yum nub as they head back to the Ewok <laughs> village to celebrate and repair their own ship, the camera zooms in on the loading dock of the escape pod. We see an egg, tucked away in a hidden corner, begin to shake and we hear a chittering screech cut to black wow darker than you usually go darker than i usually go i won't say it was good but uh well no i think uh i think it was interesting an interesting take because uh you made it where the ewoks were characters uh it's a little different in my version uh, this is called aliens ewok and roll here we go <laughs> ellen ripley has a problem 
After being rescued by a salvage crew and awakened out of stasis, she has discovered that the wicked Wayland yutani Corporation has established a colony on the very same moon where her crew encountered the eggs of the dangerous alien creature. The same creature that managed to kill all aboard the Nostromo, except for Ripley herself. Oh, uh, and her kitty cat, Jonesy. And now the company has lost contact with that colony necessitating a reconnaissance mission to find out what happened. Ripley agrees to go along as a sort of consultant. Ripley joins the crew of the Sulaco. Most of the crew are Marines, and they're skeptical of Ripley's accounts of a dangerous alien. And then there's Carter Burke, a rep from the company. Oh, and of course, there's the ship's protocol android, Bishop 3PO. The Sulaco <laughs> sets course for the moon, now known by the colony name of Endor. The Sulaco deploys a dropship down to the surface of Endor, where the crew finds the small colony completely empty, except for one young girl they decide to call Newt Skywalker. Newt is clearly shaken up and almost completely non-communicative. The crew pick up signals of the colonists. They appear to be up in the trees. And so, after using some equipment to climb up, the crew find a primitive village up in the trees itself. The colonists are all comatose, and they're covered in this weird goo. Ripley tries to warn the others, but while doing so, something terrible happens. One of the comatose colonists begins to shudder, and their abdomen distends horrifically. Next thing you know, a little teddy bear-like critter pops out of the colonist's torso. Oh, how cute, says Corporal Hicks. Are you crazy? asks Ripley. We're going to be rich, yells Burke. The merchandising alone is going to go through the roof. Before Ripley can respond, the little teddy bear critter leaps out and latches on to another crew member. Let's say it was Lieutenant Gorman. And the teddy bear viciously bites into Gorman's neck, killing him. At this point, Corporal Hicks kind of loses it he will continue to kind of lose it throughout the rest of the movie. The group makes their escape as other furry alien critters burst out of colonists. They manage to get out of the trees and back to the dropship, but they find that the ship itself has been disabled as two adult aliens, who look like teddy bears but bigger and armed with primitive weapons, have managed to damage the flight systems of the ship and kill the pilots. Oh, and uh, the adult Ewok aliens also have second tinier Ewok alien heads in their own mouths when they open up their mouths, which is an image so horrific, I hate that I wrote it down. Having no <laughs> choice but to hide in the remains of the colony, the group bunkers down, and that's when they hear it. Hundreds of aliens, all chanting, Yubnub! Yubnub! Game over, man! Game over! Says Corporal Hicks, who continues to kinda lose it. Ripley takes over. Burke secretly tries to capture a little teddy bear alien, but he gets his face eaten off by a bunch of them in a way that is brutal and yet satisfying, because Burke rhymes with jerk. What follows <laughs> is a sequence of big action set pieces in which the Marines get taken out by Ewok aliens who use the terrain and primitive traps to their advantage. Ripley, Newt, Hicks, and Bishop manage to evade capture and death, but the others aren't so lucky, though Vesquez does get this really cool sacrifice move that buys them some time and squishes a few Ewoks. 
Bishop offers to make his way to the communications station on the colony, where he'll be able to make contact with the Sulaco in orbit and deploy another dropship. So he leaves the group behind. They have a few more close calls as furry Ewoks try to take them out, but fortunately the Ewoks have short little legs, so they're not really that hard to outrun. But Bishop eventually returns, having managed to land the dropship, but more importantly, he's discovered something odd. The Ewoks worship Bishop 3PO as a god. That's a pretty big promotion to go from Bishop to God. With this newfound status, Bishop is able to convince the Ewoks to allow Hicks, Ripley, and Newt Skywalker to go to the dropship. He joins them there, and all four make their way back to the Sulaco. Once there, Ripley turns to Bishop. Nuke it from orbit, it's the only way to be sure. Bishop nods and aims the Sulaco's nuclear arsenal at the surface of Endor, where you can almost hear the sounds of musical celebration. And boom, a huge wave of nuclear missiles rains down on the moon and just wipes everything out. Ripley, Hicks, Newt Skywalker, and Bishop all enter cryosleep as the ship sets a course back to core space. The end. That was really good. Yeah. Even though you killed all of my favorite Ewoks. Well, I mean, like, they were monsters in this one. <laughs> they were. I, I mean, I think that's the thing that we can agree about in our both of our mashups is that the Ewoks are are vicious, vicious creatures. I mean, they they in Return of the Jedi, they capture our heroes, and it's clear they're going to eat them. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And they, they turn Stormtrooper helmets into a giant xylophone. Which is... Awesome and hilarious. And then they but. and then they change their their end song from one version of Return of the Jedi to the remastered version of Return of the Jedi. Do they? Oh, oh yeah, they no. Check out Yum Nub. Yeah, that's it. The song's different at the end, right? Like it. It was it, a little Ewok song. Yum Nub. Yum Nub. Yum Da 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 Da. That's totally different in the the special edition. Yeah. Well, that's okay because when we got the cartoon, they spoke English. So yes. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and I guess somewhat in the movies. Listen, they had already had the experience of the Star Wars Christmas special and realized what a huge mistake it was to have Wookiees only speaking in Wookiees for the entire <laughs> special that just made it incomprehensible. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Large Nerdron Collider. We ran a little long this time. We're going to close it off. And as always, if you have stuff you want to share with us, Let's say you've got your own mashup of aliens and Ewoks that you want to share, or maybe you have a, a suggestion for a mashup we should do or, or some conversation topic you would like us to explore in the geek space, reach out to us. You can do so by sending us an email. That's LNC at iHeartMedia.com. Or you can reach out on the various social platforms. Ariel, what are they? On Twitter, they are LNC underscore podcast. And on Instagram and Facebook, they are Large Nerdron Collider. Also, if you like us or even just tolerate us, leave us a nice review on your podcatching system. Tell your friends and share our episodes. We would love to chat with more of you. And until next time, I am Jonathan Yubnub Strickland. And I am Ariel Fuzzy Face Casting.
The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.